Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Today, it's all about that record gold price. What should you buy? What are the dynamics driving the gold price? And which are the best of the Aussie gold companies? Great to have your company here again on the Money Minutes at the end of another week. Look, it has been a tough week. I do recognise that. And thought what I'd try and do was end the week, not necessarily on the economic sort of outcomes of coronavirus and the doom and gloom, but something that actually is a good story for Australia right now, and that is the gold sector. Uh, Going back a week or so, I gave you some of the dynamics around gold and said why it would keep on going. Well, today I'm going to speak with one of my longest mates, Richard Morrow, Dicko Morrow, not only the chairman of the Melbourne Mining Club, but long-term stockbroker, gold bug. He's into the lot. And he does know his gold shares. So we'll get him to come and talk about some of the Australian gold stocks that really are most prospective, some of the dynamics that are driving those companies. In fact, the the work they're doing on restored mines is quite astonishing right now. And try and just give you a flavour of just where gold could go into the future as well. Uh, As I say, it has been a rough week. It's not going to get any easier in the coming weeks. But notwithstanding that, of course, the stock markets around the world have gone in the United States to close to near new all-time records, which almost beggars belief. But that's all about technology. That's all about governments pump-priming those economies. And oddly, that's one reason why the gold price keeps getting stronger, as we'll explain. But anyway, have a great weekend. I'll try and put something out over the weekend as well about the language that companies and organisations should use during these coronavirus times. I interviewed a man who specialises in linguistics. Uh, and I'll try and put that podcast up over the weekend for you, if I've got time, frankly, between golf games and all the rest of the things I've got on. But I'll do my very best for you. Get back with your feedback. I really enjoy that all the time. Uh, and we'll try and make this podcast work and be successful so we can keep it going for you. Many thanks for your support. Now, sit back and have a little bit of listen to, well, a little bit of gold. They want to get my One of my oldest mates in the market is a bloke called Richard Morrow. Now, Dicko, as he's better known to his friends, is not only a, a shareholder at Bailey's and been there for a long, long time, the stockbroking firm, but also the chairman of the Melbourne Mining Club. Now, now, nice little story for you here is that I actually taught this man to type. So we'll get to a little bit of that as we go through because the both of us in our infancy were would-be journalists when we started at Rupert Murdoch's publication called The Truth, right? So we were about 17 at the time. So uh, Dicko came after me and I taught him how to type. So you can see from there, humble beginnings, he's become the chairman of the Melbourne Mining Club and I, in the meantime, have done a little humble podcast like this one. He's with me now. Dicko, how are you, my friend? Very good to hear from you. Uh, the trouble with that, mate, is you taught me how to type with only using two fingers and I've never learned how to do it. <laughs> It's very funny. <laughs> it's like... 
It's like a woodpecker going at a, a keyboard at oh. the moment. Yeah. Look, I, I, I want to I want to bring you into this conversation because I've used this whole podcast to talk about gold and talked about the record run to two thousand dollars US an ounce. It's gone beyond that, of course. In Australian dollar terms, around two thousand nine hundred dollars an ounce. Now, it, it just means that right now, why have people generally gone to gold during these defensive times? What's the story of that? Well, it's just on the gold price. I mean, just in this quarter, uh, it, the, the gold price has gone up US dollars, $282 an ounce. I mean, when I started in this game, that's what the a, a price of gold would fetch, about $280. Now it does that in a, in a quarter. It's been amazing. But the driving force into gold at the moment has been what gold has done over the years. It, it's been a place where people can park some money, a, a, a store of, of value, a, a safe haven. And what they're reacting against and what they're scared of is central banks around the world running their printing presses at full tilt and just just producing money out of thin air and loaning it to governments who are then spending it to, at the moment, they're, um, uh, they're propping up the economies from the effects of, uh, of having shut down large parts of the economies uh, in, this, uh, in this pandemic. So, as the, uh, I mean, gold is, is always something that uh, is relative in financial terms to, to paper money. And as we produce more paper money, value of gold goes up in, um, in relative terms. So there's another side of that also, and that is if you park your money in a bank right now, you're going to get zero interest on it anyway. So therefore, if you yeah. go out there and you buy gold, or indeed even better, if you buy gold shares that will pay you a dividend, you're likely to get a comparable return or even a better return. But what you don't risk is is the asset or the bank or the government having any form of default in the future, or indeed that that currency is significantly devalued. That's one of the reasons why it's seen to be the store of value, especially when governments, as you say, are printing money, you know, literally willy-nilly. And they're doing it for all the right reasons, uh, printing money, but it doesn't detract from the, the idea that, you know, money should be worth something. It, it, it should be to acquire an asset or to uh, pay for a service. Uh, but you know, if you're continuing to uh, to print more and more money, it uh, it devalues uh, the value of the uh, of the service or the asset. So that's why people are parking money in gold because it it's held up rather well. In fact, it you know it's gone up brilliantly this year. So therefore, if I look at say for example my grave fear about about gold, and that is that all of a sudden this boom, everybody's talking about gold, the gold price goes up exponentially, and a little bit like I note that the price of Bitcoin has jumped from 5000 to almost $12,000 US since April this year. Uh, it almost seems to me as though people are sitting at home thinking it's easy. They just pile in. And as a result of that, maybe a whole bunch of younger traders who maybe aren't as savvy uh, are getting into assets at high prices that may carry inherent risk with them as well. That's, that's right. Look, one of the things uh, about Bitcoin is that Bitcoins, they are being produced, but they're not being, new ones aren't being produced as fast as central banks are printing money. And it's like gold. I mean, uh, there's 3,000 tonnes of gold dug up and produced every year around the world. But, the, you know, central banks are printing that in a matter of months. Uh, so it's all relative and relatively uh, available. But yes, you're right on these traders. There's a you know a sector of the market as people have been put out of work, and uh, especially in America, they've started day trading the the, the market, and they, they they do it through a system called Robin Hood, which is 
pretty well named. And the group of people that you'd call pajama traders, because they don't even get out of their pajamas and they sit in front of their machines, uh, their computers, and just buying and selling shares. Well, they tend to follow them, uh, follow the leader, and uh, and tend to move in packs. And you might have seen that um, the price of uh, Tesla went from about five hundred dollars to about fifteen hundred dollars a share, driven by these pajama traders using uh, using Robinhood. So okay, now, we should explain this to people, shouldn't we? Because Robinhood is actually a free trading app that lets investors trade stocks or options or ETFs, exchange traded funds, or even. Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. As you say, it's based in the States. The website is Robinhood.com. But it seems almost as though this has been the modern version of day traders just pouring in there. And right now, for a lot of those people, they think this is pretty easy because the markets have only gone one way since a lot of them have actually started doing this as the coronavirus has hit and as the lockdowns have affected many people's employment. Well, and, and and you and I have been around a while and we've seen a few of these booms. This one's reminiscent of the dot-com boom back in the uh, late 1990s. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's the, the typical uh, Robin Hooder would never have gone into uh, buying uh, a metal like gold or like silver. But what's been created, a thing called exchange-traded funds, that someone steps into the market, buys the, puts the money into the exchange-traded fund, the exchange traded fund buys gold or buys silver, depending what their uh, what their objective is, and then um, then there's a secondary market for these things where the, the Robin Hooders step in, and I think now that the the silver ETF is the 15th biggest uh, holding amongst the uh, Robin Hood community. It's been you know they've they've just discovered it. There's a lot of people uh, sitting back there and wondering just how far they'll uh, they'll take it. Will they do a Tesla? Certainly. Uh, Gold's at a, um, a record high, but uh, silver's about half its record high. Good, I'm because I remember its record high when Nelson and Bunker Hunt, the, uh, uh, the the twins, tried to corner the silver market and shot the price up. So I reckon I've seen three or four silver booms on, on the basis of it being the, the cheaper cousin of, of gold. Uh, and just about every one of them comes to grief at some stage down the track. But anyway, I want to go back to gold. And I want to go back to the Aussie gold miners because my, my theory always is that you should buy Aussie gold miners rather than buying physical gold. And the reason for that is because they are geared to the gold price. And if they are managed well, they are discovering and finding gold and producing gold. And also they have the ability to pay dividends. And so you're going to get an exponential increase generally in the price of these gold shares as compared with the physical metal itself. Well, that's right. And the average Australian gold mine, or it's the quality ones, cost about $1,000 an ounce to get the gold out of the ground and pour it and send it uh, off to the bullion bank. Yeah. Then, they're, then they're selling it at $2,900 uh, $2, an ounce. So it's a wonderful, it's a, it's a tremendous margin business. Okay, so then go through some of those quality gold miners that we've got in Australia because there's three big ones, but there's a whole lot of, you know, sort of medium-sized to junior gold miners as well. So just go through the major gold miners in Australia and give us your version of their relative merits. Well, there's four big ones. There's Newcrest, which is the biggest. There's Northern Star. There's Saracen. And, of course, Evolution. And and they've been companies that have been put together either by um, uh, just developing old big mines or uh, that they've bought mines from uh, the uh, Americans and Canadians who have departed the Australia over the last 10 or 15 years. And they've enjoyed a double whammy of a rising gold price uh, in US dollar terms and a falling Aussie dollar. The, the falling Aussie dollar pushed their revenues up 
uh, and uh, kept their costs where they are. And so, you know, it's been fantastic for their margins. And a lot of them have uh, expanded really quickly, especially Northern Star and, and Saracen, uh, which uh, earlier this year uh, stepped in and, and, and bought the, ma- the amazing uh, Alan Bond's former super pit. Um, so, so we should which... actually tell this story to people. And if they don't know this story, it is quite astonishing. So Alan Bond, the man who won the America's Cup and brought it to Australia, who was one of the great entrepreneurs who ultimately went to jail for some of his sins. Uh, but he literally was the king of WA during his best years. And one of his great visions was to go to Kalgoorlie to consolidate a whole lot of small mining operations in Kalgoorlie that were largely underground mines and to build what was at the time the biggest hole on earth. In other words, this thing, the super pit, has its own microclimate. I've been in the bottom of it. It is astonishing to sit in the bottom and look up and see it, or when they have a blast that shakes the whole of Kalgoorlie, which is, of course, where they have the very famous Diggers and Dealers conference every year that you've been a a staple at for many years, Richard. But the one thing I I would say to people here is that, again, you're right, because there was Barrick uh, that actually sold out of that. Um, And then on top of that, you also had Newmont was the other one, you know, and the Northern Stars bought it. So these two Aussie miners, Saracen and Northern Star, have bought out in January this year, before the gold price goes to these new crazy record prices, have bought one of the biggest gold mines on earth, said to be a declining asset, but still producing plenty of gold. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the timing, isn't it? And, and these entrepreneurial uh, West Australian companies, you know, Northern Stars run by a guy called Bill uh, Beeman and, uh, and Saracen, you know, being put together and has the uh, backing, or at least uh, it did there, of the Stokes family, um, and these guys have taken one hell of it. They bet the farm and bought this asset. And, you know, it, it, it still had about 10 years' life in it and they're probably going longer for that. I mean, uh, they started uh, mining gold in, uh, in Kalgoorlie in the, uh, the 1890s and they're, still, and they're still doing it. But it's, um, it, was, it was a huge bet they've taken, but it's looking like it's, it's paying off as that gold price goes up. If they can keep their handle on their costs, which they have been able to do, you know, their, their margin goes up uh, exponentially and they're able to reward their their shareholders with things that um, you don't uh, see from Australian gold mines and, and, and their dividends. You know, they're actually starting to uh, starting to pay out and uh, and it's, it, it's, it's helping to revitalise um, uh, parts of the, uh, the Western Australian economy, which are a little bit uh, down in the dumps. And, uh, you know, it's even happening in Victoria where I am. Um, you know, there's a, the gold industry here is re- reawakening, uh, and um, uh, a lot of money spent on exploration. And uh, we've got the second best gold mine in the world sitting there, just uh, uh, pumping out six, seven hundred thousand ounces of gold a year, uh, and out of, out of a place called Fosterville. And uh, it's uh, it's you know absolutely pushing money into the Victorian economy. It's yeah. something you don't hear a lot about. No, it's true. So uh, we've gone through, say, for example, some of those you know, bigger companies in Australia. So that is Saracen, Northern Star. Um, there's also Newcrest. Uh, and then there is Evolution, of course. And I went to their West Wyalong uh, mine last year, which is quite incredible, a cow mine. Um, are there any smaller and emerging companies um, that are out there that are a little a little off the radar that might people might just have a little look at if they're they're interested in some of these emerging gold plays? Well, it's 
it's a pretty well followed uh, sector, but the, it's full of these remarkable on, entrepreneurs. And there's a really interesting company called uh, Remelius, which it got really aggressive. It, you know, it's following the lead from uh, Northern Star and gone out there and bought uh, gold in the ground, and maybe sort of stranded gold, uh, you know, where the uh, company that had that asset had drilled it up. But there wasn't quite enough there to justify building a new mine. And there aren't that many new mines being built in Australia at the moment. But there's plenty of these old gold mills, if you like, uh, dotted around uh, Western Australia and uh, in parts of, other parts of Australia. And Am I right they, to say uh, that Romelius, uh, Richard, has the, the very famous mining town of Mount Magnet in WA? That's, yes, I think, in northeast. Yes. Haven't they got an interest there somewhere? They, they bought it and they've actually gone and restarted the operations there? Absolutely, and then what they've done is that they've uh, they've used n- uh, new technology in in trucking to uh, mine ore hundreds of kilometres away, stick it in a, uh, a, a three uh, a triple truck uh, to their production centres, and they're smelting it and, and crushing it there, and uh, producing the gold from there. And they've got another uh, famous old. Uh, uh, gold town called Westonia, where they're doing the same thing in Western Australia, and God, these these guys are so innovative, you know, and they, you know, and I guess with a gold price about twenty nine hundred dollars an ounce, yeah, you can afford to be. You you can do a lot more with um uh, with trucking and and crushing and and uh, and and mining at depth or or starting up a new open open pit, and a lot of it is based around mines that have produced on and off over the last 150 years um uh, they've they've uh, you know <laughs> there's more life in the in some of these old dogs um uh, and and yeah it's, it's paying off for their shareholders is that the similar thing with a thing called gold road uh there's a project called gruyere which is out near kalgoorlie somewhere and that's another one i think it's a jv with uh, south africa's goldfields limited isn't it yes it is and uh that's actually one of Australia's newest mines, and they they it was completed about two years ago, and um, during yeah during the the uh, a slower period in the in the gold uh, sector, and this thing uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, you know, and uh, so enormous challenges for building this uh, new open cut, but in partnership with um, Goldfields of uh, South Africa. Uh, Gold Road was able to uh, to uh, put this thing together. It's producing about a quarter of a million ounces a, a year. Um, they're just uh, now starting to report their their first profits, um, which is one of the great things about gold. Generally, you can uh, with a mine, you can uh, build it and uh, turn the key in it if you like to start it up, um, and bang, it just uh, pushes out uh, cash flow and profits from uh, from day one. And uh, and Gold Road are the uh, the beneficiary of that. Um, but there's really been nothing uh, built of any size since uh, since Gold Road. Uh, there's a lovely little little privately owned mine um, uh, down near Canberra, actually. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's uh, just been uh, is the newest mine I can think of. But really, they they're not. There's so much uh, spare capacity uh, in uh, in and around old gold fields to uh, treat um, uh, gold ore that. Uh, yeah, people aren't really building these new uh, new mines. One final thing I want to go to, and that is when people read the reports of these gold miners, and in particular they're going to watch the production reports, so they're going to see that the production is fairly robust, that the gold is being produced, that the ore bodies are sustainable, all that type of thing. But there's one other little 
trick, I think, to watching the, uh, the, the production reports in particular, and that is to watch how much of the the book or how much of the production is hedged to the gold price. Now, give people just one small example that I've got in front of me, and that is Northern Star, for example, its latest quarterly report says it had around 15% of the next three years' production hedged, but that quite clearly is at a significantly lower price than what the current gold price is. So they would have hedged to line, lock in their costs, lock in their profits over that 15% of production. But others have more hedged. And this is something that you've got to be at least conscious of when you invest, that you sit there and say, it's not a straight line to make the money out of the current gold price. Because of course, in many cases, they've already locked in well, price at lower levels. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. A lot of these, uh, hedging is one of the, 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 the things that kills a gold mine. In fact, the, the great company, Sons of Gualia, blew itself up by uh, having too big a, a, a hedge book. Um, uh, you know, in a rising gold market, they, uh, they, they, they blew themselves to pieces. Now, uh, but a lot of them, a lot of companies, they can't avoid having hedges uh, because, you know, in order to expand, you know, one of the ways you, you can finance that is, is going to the bank. But a, the bank won't lend you any money unless you hedge your gold. Um, so it's a two-edged sword. You, you can't get anywhere unless you borrow and you can't borrow unless you hedge. And the trouble is that if the gold price goes up after you hedge, uh, you know, you, you're looking a bit stupid, uh, and and sometimes dangerously stupid. But if you, uh, but you know, so, but it does go the other way sometimes. There's a lot of companies that've done very very well out of out of hedging because they did it at the right time, and then were able to fill in those hedges while the gold gold price was weak. And um, but yeah. You know. And just to explain that also, just to say, for example, in this quarterly report, only came out literally in the last week or so from Northern Star. So their production, the gold price when they put that report out was 2,600 Australian dollars an ounce. As we said earlier, it's now $2,900 an ounce. But their average realised price over the last financial year was $2,200 an ounce. And that's the reason why they right now would be trying to get the hedges off. But at some point down the track when they thought it was getting a bit toppy, just like any investor would be trying to head for the hills and take their profits, they do exactly the same thing to try and lock in their gold price for as long as they possibly can to maximise the return for their shareholders. Well, it's quite interesting because uh, sometimes it's a conflict between what's good for the uh, uh, shareholders and what's good for the uh, for the company. Because if you uh, are an investor or a buyer of a gold share, you're doing it because you believe the gold uh, price is going up. So you don't want hedging. You you want full exposure to the upside that uh, comes from uh, uh, from a rising gold price. But on the other hand, a company that needs to borrow uh, uh, money to expand, it, the bank won't lend it unless uh, they've got hedging. So there's a bit of a conflict there, but um, uh, it, it can work out well. Okay, so right now, final one for you. Is there any upside in Australian gold shares right now? Should people be still looking at them for a part of their portfolio, or is it the time to sell with the gold price at these record levels? Well, I, I think it's a really good time to own them because uh, what we're about to see over the next few weeks is these companies are going to release their profits and some of them are going to have super profits uh, for the next six months. And with the gold price up another 300 bucks, you know, that's $300 an ounce extra profit they're going to, uh, they're going to make before uh, they pay their taxes. So uh, it, it, you're going to see strong cash flows, strong profits, and probably strong dividends. The other thing you might see is a, a lot more M&A as uh, these uh, 
companies that have got a bit of spare room in their gold mills uh, step into the market and uh, make takeover bills, uh, bids for those companies that have got gold in the ground but nowhere to treat it. I'll tell you what, Richard, always great to have a chat to you. We always have wonderful yarns about whatever it might be, uh, and we've done it for many, many years. So can I just say thank you so much for being on the podcast today as our special guest, and we'll chat real soon. I've enjoyed it, Rocco. Thank you. So that's it for the Money Minutes for this week. Thank you so much for your company. As I said, um, we'll be back next week and do it all again for you. Hopefully, in happier times. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes.